0: Today, I want to just provoke us, and I want to talk about expectation. Will you say that with me, expectation? If you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to go fast today. Uh, There's a lot that I want to uh, to cover, Um, but I believe I've got the word of the Lord for this house right now. Uh, I think the last time that I spoke here, the title of my message was, um, and the points was celebration, preparation, and manifestation. That when you find out you're pregnant, ladies, there's a huge sense of celebration, but those of you who have been pregnant or who, or who are pregnant know that celebration leads to preparation, and preparation leads to manifestation. When you hear a prophetic word, when this house got a prophetic word, we had this great celebration of what God said. But celebration always leads us into preparation, and preparation leads to the manifestation. But there's another word that has been on my heart this week um, about expectation, living in expectation. So let's read this together. It's Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret with the people crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Everyone say, washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out for a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats also, and their boats began to sink. A very familiar passage, a very familiar story to many of you. This lake, or the Sea of Galilee, it's not actually a sea, is about 33 miles round. So it's not really a sea, it's more of a lake. And there's something interesting about this particular lake. This is water, it's fresh water, and it's the lowest fresh water on the planet. The lowest fresh water on the planet. The only place lower is actually the Dead Sea. And what I love about the Word of God is is there are things hidden in the Word. Little bits of gold, bits of revelation, and I love to dig. Do you love to dig? Do you love to get into the word of God? You know, there are people that can sit under the word of God. And on Sundays, you can hear the word of God. And then there are people who skim the word of God. And they skim through on a, throughout the week. And they'll read a bit here and read a bit there. And then there are those who actually study the words of God. There was a, a, a doctor of geology in the church here many years ago. And he told me that when they mine for gold it's the, the ones that actually are in the gold with pickaxes mining it they get covered in gold and they actually have to stand in a special shower to collect all those that bits of gold after because it's so valuable you know when there's it, we can either sit or we can skim or we can study the word of god but when we study the word of god and we really get into into the word and we dig into the word we actually begin to glow why because the word is alive it's living, it's active, it's sharp. This is the only book that you'll ever read. When you read it, the author is always present. He's the Holy Spirit. He inspi- all scripture is God-inspired. I want to provoke you to live in a place of expectation. Feed on the word. Get into the word. It's living, it's, al- it's alive, it's active. And... There's something that I want to share this morning, which I believe will help you either now, or it will bring, 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 a, bring a language for a place that you've once been, or it will help you in a time where you're at a low point. Everyone say low point. There they were fishing at the lowest point, and they fished all night, but they caught Nothing. And there is, it's what we do after disappointment that is actually more important than, than what caused the disappointment. I'm going to say that again. What, listen really carefully, church. What we do after disappointment is more important than what actually caused the disappointment. And there is something in this text which is so powerful But when I I love Revelation, I want to eat my chair. When I I want to eat my desk. I want to eat. I just get so excited. I'm like, this is amazing. But here they are fishing at the lowest point, catching nothing, fishing all night. And there's a key here to what we do after disappointment. There's a key here to what they did after disappointment, and it was this. Are you ready? They were washing their nets. They were washing their nets another translation says they were mending their nets and church when we go through a low point when we go through a season where you feel like I'm working so hard but I'm not catching anything there's a key that we must do after that and that's to continue to do the mundane seemingly yet so important things which keeps us in a place of expectation they were mending their nets. They were washing the nets. Why? Why? We caught nothing. Because those nets had got, would have got, got bits of stuff in them and, and, and would have torn the nets. So they're sewing the nets back together again. They're washing, getting this, the this seaweed, getting the, getting the leaves, getting the stuff out. Spending time washing the nets, washing the nets, mending. Why? Because they're, li- they're living in a place of expectation of what is to come. It's so often, when there's not something spectacular going on, that we give up. When we feel like we've given everything, when we've fished, when we've, we've worked hard, we've put in the time, we've done the hours, but there's a key to the miracle that was about to happen, and at that was, they continued to wash their nets, they continued to mend their nets. It's the little things that we continue to love the Lord with all of our, it's the little things in life that we continue to spend time praying, pushing into God, that's why I love worship today, sometimes worship is a sacrifice of praise, it's a sacrifice, it costs something and sometimes it costs more than it does other times. And when Brandon talked about the tithes and offerings and giving, it's saying, God, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to wash my nets. I'm going to continue to mend my nets. I'm going to continue to live in a place of expectation. I've got three points here today. And the first is this. And they're all questions. What, What do you have in your head? Everybody say head. What do you have... In your head I was uh, reading a professor her name is Carol Dweck Uh, she's a a professor of psychology uh, went to Yale travels extensively written many books she's in her 70s now and she wrote a book called mindsets and she brought out two points that you can have a fixed mindset or a growing mindset and she said this, when parents over potential, it creates a fixed mindset in children. When that child faces something that demands effort, they see it as an enemy rather than an ally. And church, I think there's something in that psychology, that's why my first point is, What have you in your head? What's in your head? It's important that we use our brains. Romans 12, verse 1 says, Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Yes? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The mind is really important. How we think. Paul says to Timothy in the last letter before he died, he said, Timothy, 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 Keep your head in every situation. Keep your head in every circumstance. Keep your head. But so often when we don't use our head, we don't use our brain, we don't actually think, we actually, then when, when something that demands effort comes our way, we see it as an enemy instead of an ally. And we back off. And that's why it's important that we don't just talk about potential, 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 potential. Potential. Otherwise, it creates, um, and she said this, this is what the, the result of that is, I'm an amazing child with great potential. I shouldn't have to put in any effort. You know, the Bible says, warn those who are idle. There's so much work to be done for the kingdom. That's why we're here on planet Earth. It's not here, we're not here just to come along to get along we're not here just to, to, to create a big enough nest egg so that hopefully it will, it will outlast us until we, go, until we die what? we're here to change the earth we're here to do the very thing that God's called us to do and that's be fishers of men so here they are doing something in the natural they're fishing in the natural and they catch nothing I was sharing this at the men's breakfast the other day, but if you don't act on what you do know, you become paralyzed by what you don't know. I'll say that again. If we don't act on what we do know, we become paralyzed by what we don't know. Paralysis sets in when we don't keep moving. And it's so important that when disappointment comes, when effort comes, that we continue to push through. Amen. Number two. Number one, what's in your head? Number two, what is in your hand? Everybody say hand. What is in your hand? You've got to ask, well, I, I, I ask the Bible questions. When I read, why does it say that? Why does it mean that? Who was he talking to? What was going on? Why was that little, little, little letter written? What was going on here? Who was it? That correlates with that. I, I love it. But why did Jesus choose Peter? Peter wasn't an apostle at this time, Peter wasn't a disciple at this time, Peter was a fisherman. Peter was just a a regular Joe with an attitude problem and an anger problem, cutting off people's ears. Probably would have got his head, but missed. But he—he was—he was just a fisherman. But what was in his hand as he had a boat? Everyone say boat. What was in his hand as he had a boat? And Jesus asked him, Simon, can I borrow your boat? And he gets in, and he uses his boat. You know, I've heard different different uh, accounts on this. But when he says, "Master, I've done all of these things. I've 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 caught nothing. We've done that all night." But then he says this word. In one translation, it says, "Nevertheless." Turns to your neighbour and say, "Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word I will do what you say." Boats then were about four feet wide. All he did is he went from one side to the other side. This time he did it according to God's word. And when he did it, he caught a massive catch. If we give him what we have, he will turn it into what we need. If we give him what we have. Church, if you give God what you have, he will turn it into what you need. This is such a simple story, and yet there's something underneath, something that we can dig out. There's something, there's something we can learn about disappointment. There's something that we can learn when we feel discouraged. There's something we we, we can learn when we feel exhausted. I've just worked so hard. Do you remember the woman in 2 Kings chapter 4? who comes to Elisha and she said to the man of God, she said, Elisha, my husband was a prophet and he's dead and now the creditors are coming to take my son. And he says, well, first of all, he says, what's that got to do with me? (laughs) But then he asked her this question. He says, woman, what is in your house? And she said this, nothing except, everyone say except, she said, I have nothing in my house except a little oil, a little oil. And then he gives her instructions to go and pick up all the jars and to bring them. And the oil began to flow and it never stopped. You know, when we give something to God that he can use, he'll turn it into that which we need. And the oil only stopped flowing, watch this, when she stopped, when she stopped providing jars for them to, to, be, to be contained in. What do we have? Whatever we have that we can give to God, that we can give to him, he will turn that which we have into something that we need. God accepts our accepts. I don't have anything except this. And God says, I'll accept that. I will accept your accepts. You don't have anything except that, I'll fill it. I'll use it. Do you remember David? David, all he had was, a, was some stones and a sling. And, and Saul tried to put his armor on and he walked around and he said, it doesn't fit me. I'm not used to it. It's not me. You know, a church, what comes naturally to you? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What has God given you that you can, that you can use? He brought down a giant with what was in his hand, with what came naturally to him. What's in your house he said to the little, to the, to the lady, what's in your house? Moses, All Moses had was a stick and a stutter, and God said, I'll use that. I'll use your stick, I'll use your stutter, I'll use even, I'll just use you, because I choose you. I want you. All I want is what you have. Will you give me your boat? Will you give me a jar? Will you give me your stick? Will you give me those stones? And God turned that stick and bowed Pharaoh's magicians. God used that stick to open a sea for two million people to walk across in dry dry ground. What's, What's in your hand? Do you have a little time, church? Do you have just a little time? Do you have a little jar? Do you have a little oil? Do you have a little bit of something? Do you have a little bit of encouragement in you? That you can go and encourage someone? Do you have a little bit of talent? Do you have a little bit of love? Do you have a little story? Do you have a little bit of money? Do you have, do you have, do you have a testimony that you can give to God so that God can turn what you have into what you need? And number three is what is in your heart. What's in your heart? If we give him something we possess, he'll turn it into something that we desire. If we give him something that we possess, he'll turn it into something that we desire. It's such a simple instruction to Peter to put the net onto the other side. To put the net onto the other side. To, to move it from four feet to another four, four feet on the other side. When we do things God's way, when we keep listening, it's so important. I think I've shared this before. It's so important that we don't just listen to what God says, but it's important that we keep listening to what God is saying. Do you remember Abraham and Isaac? Isaac. Take your son, your only son, take him to a mountain, I'll show you. And when you get there, I want you to sacrifice your son. Imagine, imagine if he just said, nope, that's it. I've got the word of the Lord, I'm going to do it. But because he kept listening, when, the, when, when the God spoke and said, stay your hand, don't touch the boy. If he hadn't, he would have killed the promise. We have to keep on listening. Keep on listening to what God is saying. That's why we walk in steps. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Sometimes all we have is a lamp. When you have a lamp and you're walking in a dangerous place, you can't run, even if you want to. And one of the things that the discipline of the Lord I found for me is there's times where I want to run. I'm a visionary. I I see. Let's go. Let's change the world. Let's do all of these things. But I can't see. And because it's dark, the lamp unto my feet only cast about a three-foot circle around my feet. So I have to walk, which means my pace is different. And when my pace is different, my listening is different. And I'm hearing him as I'm walking with him rather than running. There's other times his, his word is a light unto my path and we can actually take off and run. Where we're at right now as a church, we have a lamp unto our feet and we've chosen very deliberately to be a people that listen to the Holy Spirit. We've chosen to be a people that keep in step with what the Spirit is saying to us as a people. And sometimes there's huge costs that come with that. And we live in a consumer society where people will pick and choose where they'll get what's best for them or best, best for their family or, or their needs to be met. But at the end of the day, I want to suggest to you, church, that we plant ourselves where God has planted us and say, this is it. This is the family. This is the people. This is the vision. The vision of this house is clear, always has been. I think last week I shared, you know, about a washing machine had broken, and so I went on Facebook Marketplace, and I found another washing machine, and it was red, and it was cool, and it was Samsung, and it had all these bells and whistles, and it had all these spin cycles, and it had steam, and it had, it was just fantastic, it was just great, and it cost a few hundred bucks, but it was certainly cheaper than buying a brand new one, and and I had the boys go and get it, and they put it in the back of the car, and we brought it home, and lugged it into the basement, and we, we damaged the walls going down, and then Damaged the walls when the old one came up, and it's just—it was a big old mess. Plugged it in, and the, the thing, after a few days, just started to break. And Sophie called Gino, and Gino said, "I'm going to bring you a washing machine that works. It's very powerful, one with all the people you have staying in your house that will suit your family well." And I said, "Does it have all the colourful lights?" No. But Angela talked about it when she preached about an agitator. Is that the word she used? An agitator. That the, those old washing machines, not the old, it's brand new, but the older style ones, which are the top loaders, have an agitator and it agitates. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And Fee's pulled all the, all the laundry in and, and, it, and she said, the, the clothes are just so clean now. And I'm sitting here on the Sunday morning and thinking, gosh, this church, we don't have all the bells and whistles. There's so many things that we could look at and think we could do so much better than that. There's so many things, so many details. We could do better here, but in the end of the day, God, our heart says we want to pursue you and what you're saying. Does that mean that we don't know we shouldn't be excellent? Not at all, we need to be excellent. But number one, we need to be a people that know how to encounter the living God. Our vision is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. I'll say that again. The vision for life church is to build everyone say build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart. That's Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of, of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. The Lord's prayer is in there on earth, as it is in heaven. When we seek first his kingdom, when we seek what he wants. You know, God's sneaky. He changes our desires to be his desires. So it's to to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. When we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you as well. Your dreams are fulfilled when we put him first. Have you ever found that? That when you really seek first the kingdom of God. church, the, the church is the vehicle to extend the kingdom. The kingdom is so much bigger than the church. The kingdom is the rule of God coming from heaven to earth. Are you, are you okay with this? Too, too much? No? Everyone see the rule of God. <laughs> the kingdom. You know, the, the Acts starts with... And Jesus taught them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. Acts closes with Paul boldly preaching the kingdom of God. We're here on the planet to bring heaven to earth. To bring God's ways here on earth. Isaiah 2 says, in the last days the mountain of the Lord will be the chief mountain. And the world will come to Zion, the church, and say, teach us your ways. That's why I believe we need to have something to say about marriage That our marriages are strong and they're awesome because we're doing them God's way. That we have something to say about finances, something to say about the business world, something to say about integrity and how to do things God's way. Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, the Bible says. All the earth will be filled with his glory. His glory is his nature as the waters cover the sea. Church, I want to provoke you. I want to agitate you a little bit today that there's something bigger going on and we get to be a part of it. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Never stop giving God something that he can use. Never stop giving God something that he can use. God doesn't need your talent God didn't need a boat; He can walk on water. He didn't need; He didn't need the boat. God doesn't need your money; He can open a fish in His mouth and pull out a coin. But it's that in there; it's it's it, it tests our heart. What's really in your heart? Which is my third point: What's in your heart? If we give him something we possess, he can turn it into something we desire. Nevertheless, Peter says, Nevertheless, at your word, at your word, I will put, cast my net on the other side. Isn't that a great attitude? Mending your nets, doing something seemingly mundane. And Jesus is there. Walked up to them while they're washing their nets. They're preparing for the future. They're living in expectation. They're sowing. They're cleaning. They're mending. You know, I believe when God, God, God works with those who are already working. When Elijah came to Elisha, he was plowing. He was working with the horses. Oxen. There's work to be done, church. What's in your heart? I'm just going to close and just pray in just a moment. I'm going to go, but can I encourage you not to make peace with your disappointment? Don't make peace with your disappointment. Don't make peace with those times and moments when you're at your lowest. Because it's at those moments that God shows up. It's at those moments when we haven't made peace. I know people that, that, that a year ago were walking with God and now they're not. Bible says where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. If you listen... To a marriage when they start talking badly about their spouse they've lost the vision for their marriage and now they've got no restraint on their tongue for people who've, who've lost vision for their kids lost a vision for their jobs lost a vision for life lost a vision for god we cast off restraint we start saying things that we shouldn't say because we've lost vision. Keep the vision clear of what God has promised you, of what God has said to you. Keep mending your nets. Keep washing them. If we don't, if we don't, like disappointment, it will defile the moment when God shows up with good news. It will defile the moment when God shows up to bring us a fresh word. It will defile the moment when God shows up to say, I want you to do what you've been doing. Only this time, I want you to do it four feet away from where you did it before. But master, we've done this. We've been doing this. We've been doing this all night. We've we've caught nothing fruitless here in the lowest point, but at your word, at your word, because you say so, Master, we'll do what you say. And watch this, and watch this. So Simon answered, master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, we will let down our nets. And when they had, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in other boats, and they came to help them, and they came and filled both boats. So they were so full, they began to sink. Some of you feel like, Dan, i fished all night and I've caught nothing. I am tired. I'm weary. I hear all the other, this great news from other people. I wish I could get pregnant. I wish I could get married. I wish I wasn't stuck in this job. I wish... I wish this would happen. I wish this hadn't happened. I wish she hadn't said that. I wish he hadn't done this. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. I just can't do it anymore. I want to encourage you with these words. Keep washing your nets. Keep doing the little things. What's in your house? I've got nothing. It's interesting. She said to Elisha, when he said, what's in your house? She said, nothing except a little oil, he says. Great, I'll use that. I'll use that. And the more she bought them, the more it flowed. Church, the more and Brandon said this today when he when he took up the bought the received the tithes and offerings. It's it's all an issue of the heart. But when we're those vessels, you just can't out give God. He's got a much bigger shovel than us. And when we start sowing in, he shovels it back. Give and it will give, be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God is a God of abundance. He wants to bless us upon bless us upon bless us. You know, it's often in our, in our lowest place financially that God wants us to give. And as we give out of our lack, God gives us abundance. (laughs) Master, we've caught nothing, but at your word, we will do what you say. And then they had an absolute abundance. So church, in closing, I'll say this again. If we give him what we have, he'll turn it into something that we need. You close your eyes for a moment. Thank you Lord Father I I thank you For your church I thank you for your church Across this earth That is like a sleeping giant That's about to be awoken And rise And I thank you for every congregation I thank you for every church In this area in the Fox Valley I thank you for your church congregations in this nation and the nations of the earth. Right now, Lord, I thank you for everybody in this house, in this church family. I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you that you know each one of us better than we know ourselves. You know what we need before we ask. Lord, you know every you know you've seen us at our lowest point and you've seen us at our highest. You've seen us in the valley and you've seen us on the mountain. You've seen us when we're doing great and when we're not doing great. You've seen us when we're sick and when we're healthy. You've seen us when we're old and when we're young. You've seen us when we're happy and when we're sad. You've seen us when we've had plenty and when we've had nothing. And God, we say thank you to you that you are the God that has provided and been there through all of it. You're El Shaddai. You are Emmanuel. And God, I thank you for every person in this room, every heart that's beating. And Lord, I just right now, I speak to all disappointment and I command disappointment to go in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you that on the cross, the divine exchange is he turned mourning into dancing. I thank you that you turned our mourning into dancing. I thank you that, you that the divine exchange was a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And Lord, I just speak to every spirit Every, all spirit of despair in this place, lowness, disappointment, heartache, trauma, that it would break off in the mighty name of Jesus. That today, as we leave this building, as we leave these doors, that we will literally have a garment of praise, a garment of praise. That you would anoint our heads with oil. That you would anoint us with a spirit of joy. Not just, not just happiness that comes from happenings, but joy that comes from the Holy Ghost. So Spirit of the living God, I ask that you would fall and you would stir. Like that agitator in the washing machine. That you would clean us today. That you would agitate. That the enemy would be thrown off. Despair would be thrown off fruitlessness would be thrown off and God that you would find in us a people that are mature cleaning our nets washing our nets that you would find in us a people that even in the seasons and times where we feel like we caught nothing and what was the point that we would continue to do those little things we would continue like sewing sewing nets together we would close the gap We close the gap in relationships where enemy has tried to get in and cause division. We close the gap of speaking things that should not be spoken. And that you'd find in us a people of faith who were washing, who were commending, who were getting ready in a place of expectation for what you're going to do next. And God, I thank you over these next few weeks and months as you instruct us, as we take another step with you, I thank you as that word, your word that is a lamp unto our feet as we walk and that you speak to us and as we obey. When you say things like, just do the very same thing but four feet away, that as we do that, we will see an abundance of fruits. We'll see lives changed. God, we thank you for all the people that have been saved and born again in this house, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for this season that we're in. And as we finish off this summer season with people traveling and we come back in September and and as as we start a whole new season, God, that you would mark it with the presence of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that it would be a time of abundant fruit, abundant fruit in Jesus' mighty, all-sufficient name, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.